Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what had been spoken, oh geez, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road to the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Mary. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name's Steve, and uh, while we get our mic situated here, sorry. Uh, um, that sounds so much better. Um, did anyone else notice in the scripture reading that Sarah read from 1 Corinthians 1, that hilarious part where Paul's like, hey, I only baptized two people, just two. And then he's like, well, I guess there was a couple other people too. Actually, I don't even know. Maybe I baptized more, maybe I didn't. Let's move on. <laughs> Did anyone notice that? And like, I've never really noticed that before. And I, as I heard that, I just was delighted by that. Uh, Right, Sarah? Totally. She said, I kind of wanted to skip it because it felt uncomfortable. And how do you, what are you supposed to do with that? So anyway, uh, humor in the Bible, right? We're in Epiphany, and Epiphany really means like manifestation or light. And in the scripture that Mary just read, um, there was the phrase from darkness to light. And Epiphany really is the season where we, 
look at the process of what it means to move from darkness to light instead of like, ding, this moment where you just go, I get everything there ever is to get about God, life, myself. There's a process to understanding what it means to move from darkness to light. And that process repeats itself over the course of your life. If you're really honest, if God is limitless, then there's a limitless way that we'll come to understand God more and more across the years of our lives, right? And so we're using these four weeks as a way to look at the process of reconstructing faith, which will happen many times during, the, during your life and mine. Last week, we looked at the first movement, which is a disruption. Uh, and we, anything can be a disruption. Pain, a conflict, a great movie can be a disruption. A traffic jam, a poopy blowout, parents, am I right? Major disruption. An election, a job loss, injustice, getting a cold on vacation. Disruptions are frustrating interruptions to the normal flow of our lives. We have to just name that. Talk to a friend this morning who just realized he has shingles. That's a disruption. It's an interruption to the normal flow of life and you would never initiate them on your own. But if we learn to befriend them, disruptions can turn into invitations that change the flow of our lives when maybe they need to be changed, when we wouldn't initiate that change by ourselves. Amen? So again, let's name it. Disruptions are really frustrating. (laughs) No one's going to say that they're amazing unless you're a little loony. Then you can go ahead and say that. Uh, So quick example, because I think this is really, like I want to root this in real, actual life as much as I can, more than just heady theological concepts. So I was was at a, a dinner with some friends, and one of the couples brought their little infant baby, right? And so, of course, like, you know, that couple never held their baby the whole night. Everyone else was holding that baby, and I got a chance, you know, to burp the baby. It's so sweet, little tiny little baby. And uh, someone was, and this person that was holding it as a pro, baby pro, 100%, grandma, everything. And uh, the, the baby was getting a little nervous, a little, you know, fussily, so the, you know, bottle, and so trying to feed the baby the bottle, but the baby wasn't taking it, you know, like they're going to be so frustrating. Like, come on, just, just take the bottle. But so patient. And, you know, my friend was just so patient, but the baby just was not drinking the bottle. So finally, someone around the table just kind of goes, I, I just need to say, like, I think there's probably a cap blocking the milk because I don't see any milk going into the, the little nipple part, you know? And so, and the baby's like, you know, Someone, please, for the love of God, fix this bottle. I am dying right now, but I can't say anything. Language. Um, 
And then, so my friend was like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And then, you know, and then the parents got a little embarrassed or whatever, but it was fine. And, and my friend got a little embarrassed, but it was fine. And we took off the, you know, the little cap that was stopping the flow of milk and screwed the cap back on. And, and then that baby was like, yes, relaxed and drank that milk. Um, disruption. Hey, there might be a cap blocking the flow of milk. And if you changed it, the flow would be so much better. Now, one option in that moment for my friend would have been, I got it. No, I got this. I got this. Just, just drink the milk. Right? Now, that would be perhaps a foolish option. Uh, or the option is just to laugh, which my friend did. And the parents laughed. Everyone was laughing except for that baby. That baby was like, give me some milk, people. Um, but after we laughed, and after we um, changed what we could change, um, that baby became really content and happy. Now, it's not more complicated than that when we're talking about disruptions turning into invitations. It might be harder than that to do, but let's do some all plays. Let's break down the process. What was the disruption in that little example? Thank you, Jackson. The milk wasn't being drunk but we didn't know it. So how did we find out? Thanks, Nate. Confrontation. Confrontation nation. Man, we love confrontation, right? That's why, like, the person who actually finally said something was like, I, no, I was watching it the whole time. And then a couple other people, like, piped in. No, I noticed it too. And, like, why didn't you say it? Because they're so afraid, like, you know, you might be feeding that baby wrong. I know you're a baby pro and everything, but it, it, you might not, right? So the disruption was actually having the courage to say it, to name what was happening and what needed to be fixed. And then what happened? Needed to see it. So we opened up that bottle. Well, maybe there is a, that little blocker in there. Oh, there it is. Oh, my goodness. And then what happened? Take action. What was necessary for my friend to see that there was something blocking the flow of that milk? Another perspective. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, John. You need to be able, you need to be willing to be able to, to admit that your perspective of reality might not reflect reality. Thank you, Cassandra. We need to listen and be around others. Roxanne, let's let her ego take a back seat. And let me tell you, this baby pro really is a baby pro. Probably the best baby carer, you know, in the room at least. But even, even she needed some other eyes on the situation, right? 
Dis, go ahead. Mm. Thanks, Kristen. Humility. Being able to listen. And then I think there was something kind of sweet about the laughter, you know? It's like that, like, oh, God. you know? <laughs> that sort of embarrassed laughter where it's like, ah, okay. Okay. Um, in today's scripture portion, Jesus has just returned from 40 days of fasting and solitude in the wilderness. Now, that 40 days was a disruption, for sure. No food. We read a lot of stuff about what Jesus went through in that time. And then we read that he finds out that his friend, John the Baptist, has been arrested. That is a... Yeah, you can say it out loud. That's a disruption. So we read, he left his home in Nazareth, and he moved 40 miles away to Capernaum in Galilee. And from that time, we read, Jesus began to proclaim the kingdom. So here's another all-play question. Please use your imagination, okay? How does Jesus deal with disruption? (laughs) No problem. Thanks, Linda. Oh, Barb, he changes location. Oh, oh, Becky, you said it. I thought you said it, Barb. Changed location. Went from Nazareth to uh, right by the Sea of Galilee. Sherry? Oh, he moves into the disruption. Okay. <laughs> Say it again, Jackson. Yeah, make a bigger disruption. Cancel the first one out. I love it. Disruption by disruption. I'll make a bigger disruption than your disruption. What else? How does Jesus deal with disruption? Sorry, Shannon. Oh. Well, Shannon just dropped some Bible on us there. Uh, let the little children come to me. So the little children come, and he doesn't say, well, this is not part of the agenda. Please wait your turn. He just says, let them come. Uh, and then um, someone touches his cloak, and instead of you know, freaking out, he says, who, who touched my cloak? We're ignoring it. Now, when we read in the Bible that Jesus asks a question like, who touched my cloak? Um, what goes through your mind? Say it again. That's exactly what goes through our mind, right? He already knew. So why does he ask the question? For the people around him. Yeah. And to acknowledge the person. Okay. He makes room for the disruptions to invite her to speak up. Love everything about those answers. He doesn't do it alone. Oh, okay. Jesus seems to always widen the circle of interaction. He asks questions, and when people ask him a question, he flips it on them and asks them a question, which is really inviting them into you know, opening up the next layer of the, the Russian doll, you know, so that you can see the next layer. Um, now, there's an interesting question that I have about all of that. 
And that is, um, in Luke 2.52, we read, it's one of my favorite verses in the, in the Gospels anyway. We read this, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. So what does that mean? Jesus, as he grew, increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. He didn't take shortcuts as a human. Greg, say more. He went through the process of growing, just like we do. Now, remember The Matrix, that great film, Philosophy 101, structuralism, post-structuralism, it's so great. Remember that part where, like, Neo gets the little thing implanted into his neck, and then in, like, and all of a sudden he's a, like, jujitsu expert, you know what I mean? Like, after, like, four seconds, he just it uploaded all the skills, so now he has the skills. I think that's how we see Jesus, right? And so someone says something, and he says, hey, who, who did this? But, like, if we assume he knows every single possibility, everything that ever happened, then was he pretending to have emotion? Was he pretending to cry when Lazarus died? Or did he actually have to walk through the process of learning and growing and even the process of darkness to light and the process of disruption into invitation, into education, into integration. And, and, and I don't know the answer to that question. But what if he really didn't? What if it wasn't on autoplay? So when John was arrested, what if he didn't go, eh, okay, my next move is <laughs> to go, because that was that's in the download or the upload that I got, and so now I have to go to. What if it was like, man, whew, John's arrested. This whole thing's about to burn down. Jerusalem is about to catch on fire. And I think I have a part to play in this. And I think that probably means going to an area that's more diverse And so I'm going to go to Galilee and see what happens. Guided by the Spirit, guided by the Father, of course. But to me, it's like that, that makes Jesus even more worthy of following, to me, if he had to discern and grow in wisdom. Um, if we can learn how Jesus walked through disruption, invitation, education, and then into integration, I think maybe we'll have a pattern for doing it too. So in today's scripture portion, Matthew 4.18, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. So immediately they left their nets and follow Jesus. All play question. What were Simon and Andrew saying yes to? 
following the rabbi. Thanks, Jason. What else? Is it Katie? Did you say the unknown? Which means they didn't know. <laughs> like following the unknown sounds like this great like song. You know, it's like, Maybe there's Stephen Curtis Chapman in there somewhere. Uh, but, they, but when you're in that moment and you drop your nets, the unknown is pretty scary. I just saw someone whisper to who's oh, Stephen Curtis Chapman? Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's, I, love the, I love the mix of people. And, you know, every once in a while I get like, the, like quit telling the evangelical insider jokes because I didn't grow up evangelical and I don't get them. Okay. So what did you say, Linda? Check them out on Spotify, Apple. Uh, anyway, what were they saying yes to? The unknown. What else? Yeah. Yeah. So Hineni is this word of, it's, in, it's a Hebrew word. It means here I am. And it's used when people respond to a, God's call on their life. They say like Samuel, um, Moses. And then Moses says, here I am. Or Samuel says, here I am. Or Hannah says, here I am. And it means Hanani, which, and Hanani is like this beautiful, expansive word that sort of means more than here I am. It means like, I don't know what the future is, holds if I say yes, but I'm all in. That's what Hanani means. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Um, the thing is, they don't say anything. You know, he says, follow me. They drop their nets and follow him. We, we don't know what they say. In last week, John 1, there was this turning around. See, it's so funny. Like, like it's the same story, but in one story, they're fishing. In another story, they're eating hummus. And Anyway, it's the same thing. Uh, eating hummus, I, I, I put that in there. I don't know if they're eating hummus or not. But, um, but they, they say, Jesus turns around and says, what are you looking for? And they say, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. Right? So there, there's this, like in a way, where are you staying is a, is a way of saying, I want in on your life. So maybe, Sherry. Um, what are they saying no to? Their livelihood. Exactly, Greg. This is how they make money, you guys, fishermen. or fishermen. They're saying no to doing the same thing, the flow of life as it normally is. They're saying no to their patriarch, to their father, the family business, for sure. It would have been no small thing. The familiar, yep. Saddle of your horses. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. I, it's unclear. What Jane said is, they, we don't know that they thought they were leaving everything forever and it was going to change their life. Most big decisions in life, can I get a witness? You look back and you go, oh my goodness, like that decision changed everything, but I didn't know it at the time. And if I would have known it, I would never have chosen it. Right? That's the great grace, right? That, that's, Richard Rohr says, like, if, if God told us what God was inviting us into and how it was going to, we would do one of two things. Run like crazy <laughs> away from it, 
or we would try to manufacture it on our own, and both of which would ruin it. So I agree, Jane. I tend to agree. Like, we don't know if they, if it was like this big moment for all, you know, maybe it was an afternoon for them. Turned into much more than that. So um, a disruption can lead into an invitation when you interrogate it, when you turn it over and over again until you see a new and bigger perspective, right? And so I want to invite you into, if you're reconstructing your faith or if some disruption has you reeling, um, I want to invite you into some movements for how to interrogate it without getting swept out to sea by it. Because it's really hard not to get swept out to sea by a disruption. And the first thing is just to notice your reactions and feelings. Almost get outside yourself and watch them. Try not to judge them. Just say, I am really mad. I am really scared. I'm really um, feeling betrayed. And when I say notice without judging, it's like, because we're so quick to, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel mad, I shouldn't feel angry, I shouldn't feel betrayed, I just should work this out. Um, no, just try to be with it. It's uncomfortable to be with it, for sure. Maybe get some help in naming what you're seeing, feeling, thinking. And just sort of, you know, there's this beautiful impermanence to everything in life. Things rise and fall, nothing lasts forever. That's really true about every single thing. So let it rise and let it fall. Don't, don't try to do all your work when you're the most activated. <laughs> That's probably not the best idea. Let it fall and then get curious. This is where, let's go back to the baby. You're not going to see that your, that cap is obstructing the flow of milk because you're too close to it. You're looking at the baby's eyes. It's so cute. Yeah, I don't know why they're happy. They're not happy right now, but he probably just has gas. That's always the answer, right? Maybe <laughs> has gas. Actually, you need someone else to come in and go, you know, I think, I think there's probably a cap in there. Oh, really? When you get to the point where you can get curious about what's not working, what the disruption is there for, it can really open up a whole different way of seeing your life and God and the world. But you have to go, you have to have patience and go through those things, right? Notice, let the feelings rise and fall and then get curious. What do I need to do to see this differently? And I think as we learn to do this, so there's this disruption, what do we do with it? And there's an invitation once we discern the invitation, next week, we'll look at the Beatitudes. That's what's on tap. And we'll learn that, that we, we get into this phase where when we've received the invitation to a new life, we've dropped the nets, we've said yes, now we need to understand a new value system that will lead to a robust new faith. It's not enough to deconstruct. Deconstruct all you want. You need to. But I'm actually kind of tired of reading about everybody's getting just like almost deifying deconstruction as if it's the end. 
It's an important step. But reconstruction is where freedom happens. So we'll look at education next week. You guys are so fun. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.